Blood Brothers Podcast, a Five Pillars of Mad Monarchs production. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dear brothers, sisters, and yes, even friends and foes. Actually, no, rewind, just foes as well. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Blood Brothers Podcast with your brother and host, Dili Hussein, and my co-host, Aki Hussein. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. And today we have a very special guest, and I mean this. Um, he stands at a magnificent and beautified god-given six foot six and he's the one and only the big friendly giant slash debater slash speakers corner celebrity i have maybe slash that word out mohammed hijab that was a very elaborate introduction be privileged for that sake. thank you thank you what do you stand at by the way six foot six for six six yes are you comfortable yes because you feel a bit squashed up there no you sure yeah yeah. and if you're not comfortable i'm not comfortable yeah no i'm comfortable (laughs) we're honored that you've joined us i'm very honored no honestly um you came onto our radar quite late like I only started following your work around a year, year and a half ago when some brothers uh, folded uh, some of your content from, from Speaker's Corner. However, I want to just posit to you the very first question of today's podcast. Yeah. We know mutual friends, people who were or still are prominent deba- debaters or Muslim apologists mm. who used to frequent Speaker's Corner. Abdul's also and Abdul Andalusi and others. And, 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 and they kind of moved away from it, mm. right? Uh, as they became more mainstream, as they became more respectable, because there's this thing about Speaker's Corner, as lively, as entertaining as it may seem, it mm. is, and it can become a jungle slash circus. Yeah. Since you've been going to the States, and going to Oxford Union, by the way, I want to congratulate you on those great performances, and I'll accept it from you. I mean, I mean. And keep us all sincere and steadfast in his I mean. Will you do the same? Are you going to abandon Speaker's Corner once you become the suited, booted Mr. Hijab? Um... I don't. I don't intend to. Okay. I don't intend to. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but the, the thing about pe- speaking to people on the streets is very natural. It's a very, um, it's a very natural thing to do, and I think it humbles people. It humbles me. You know, uh, you know, because you realize that you, you, just because you've gained some knowledge or just because you've kind of maybe progressed academically, it doesn't mean now that you're going to be distancing yourself away from the people. Mm. And I, I think the prophets of Islam. Um, they, in the Quran, Surah Al-Furqan, for example, it talks about they used to walk in the in the aswaq, you know, in the um, in the marketplaces, and and so the prophets didn't have that that distance from the people in that way, uh, and I think that is problematic sometimes where we think that we, we I'm not saying in the case of people who decided not to go to school, but I'm just saying generally speaking that when we think that we've become too prestigious for a particular environment, there's no environment where Dawah doesn't reach. Uh, whether it's a school or a playground or you know a speaker's corner or whatever it may be yeah. I, I think the contention with uh, speaker's corner would not necessarily be that someone becomes too mainstream or some become too prestigious to become a social I think it's mm. the general environment and how things can escalate whether yeah. it's going to be a stain on their kind of their repertoire yeah, yeah? Mm. Or, 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 or what they've now accumulated of, of experiences when, once you start filling auditoriums and you start lecturing yeah. after uni you know, do he- you go back to heckling um, abrupt interjections um, outright slander name calling this kind of very jungle-esque environment right and how fruitful our discussions can be in that environment number one and number two when you said the people uh, is speaker's corner really representative of the people or is it? Or do you mean the audience that, that, that who access the speakers' corner videos? I think a bit of both. I mean, I do agree that there's there's a high level of unpredictability, like when you go to speakers' corner and that can, things can escalate. But I think that's what makes people want to tune in in a way. And also, I would think that is uh, a way in which discoveries can be made. Like in in speakers' corner, I've I've speak, spoken to people from different backgrounds. I would never have known these ideas. Um, and it's unpredictable for both of us, both me and um, the audience members. I mean, I'm not coming in there scripted. And I think sometimes people want to see that kind of natural, um, it's almost like a reality show. But then we can give dawah in that context. And uh, I do agree that there's always going to be um, drawbacks to Speaker's Corner. And that's why I try and limit the interactions there. Don't be too predictable in the times in, uh, that you go to Speaker's Corner or things like that. But I think. Uh, since the speaker's corner in, in that ironic way has allowed us to fill the auditoriums up in the first place 
so um it should be continued like okay so i don't know so you won't be abandoning it in the near future once you become no, not someone. totally abandoning it I, just, I don't think there's a need for that it will be more a case of that you like to become busy yourself in other areas um and other activities and projects where you're not able to maybe spend as unfre- much and frequent as much yeah. as you previously did yeah i think it'll be more like that if i could ask you a question about your job yeah um how often if ever um whether recorded or off camera in speaker's corner have you been you know you know surprised pleasantly that this is quite a refreshing argument and this has really put me in a situation where i've had to go back and uh, and really refine some of my positions and how i present islam and not that many times i uh, know it sounds quite um uh, i don't know how that sounds actually too but <laughs> arrogant yeah maybe arrogant right <laughs> i don't know sanctimonious but i think that um generally i've I hear the same kinds of things being the amount of repetition that mm. one hears from not only the general public but speakers corner frequenters is astonishing. The criticisms people have of Islam are the same recycled ones. Uh, the attacks people have of uh, of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam are the same recycled ones. So when someone approaches me, usually they're, they're trying to criticize Islam. Um, or they have one of those interge- interrogations mm. that they want to put forward that they think is going to, you know, break the camel's back or something, but it's not. So a lot of the time, it's not it's not something I need to go and research anything about because I know what you what you're trying to say now, and I've heard it a hundred times okay. before. But there are sometimes where some people come to Speaker's Corner and they have good ideas, but really and truly, where good ideas are kind of sought or ought to be sought in a way, are in places where knowledge production is made which is universities and uh masajid um places purpose places, built yeah, for producing yeah so uh, think. to be honest i don't go to speakers corner to learn anything hmm. the only thing it helps me to teach me is me is how to control my emotions and even that i'm you know i don't think I'm, I'm not claiming to be any kind of expert on it so i think it's more to do with human interaction and um Socializing. Yeah. That's that's what you what you really learn. You're yeah. not going to learn arguments. Can I add, or, add to some of that? Hijab said. Yeah. So, you know. So, how do you take yourself from a situation and and a stage of public interaction, debating, like speakers' corner, where you're not really impressed. You've heard the thing over and over again. You see the same person again, yeah. saying you know saying the same things, and you've nailed them. You've nailed those conversations in your head, and you've digested them, and you know that if it was to come blindfolded, I'd have it. How do you now motivate yourself, inspire yourself, and take yourself to a, 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 a place now and into waters where you really have to start exploring new arguments that are more sophisticated? Well, I w- when you could just like, revel in the joy of being a six mm. foot six tower of a, of a <laughs> machine just refuting these stupid arguments um, by uh, angry white people. I think um, what it is for me is like, I've always had a passion for learning, right? So learning has always happened in the background and speaker's corner is a place where I can kind of um, present that learning uh, in a way. So um, I think it's an interesting place to do it because I used to work as a teacher, right? And it's difficult to gauge people's uh, interest. You know, it really is difficult to gauge people's interest. Students, you mean? Students' interest, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we were told when we were doing the training that, you know, you have to do certain things like keep it student-centered, you have to do activities and, and lots of things like that. And um, to be honest, Speaker's Corner is a, is a way in which I try and think about, okay, what do I, I actually think about this sometimes. Okay, I'm speaking to this person in front of me. What do I want to teach the people at home? Mm. Is there something about the religion of Islam in particular? That, so I, te- I teach through debates. I teach through interactions because I know if I did the same lesson in a masjid, right, delivering the same exact arguments, people would not be as interested. So you're actually engaging mm. with people on camera whilst trying to actually teach the audience and the viewers. Yes. Via, as yeah. opposed to perhaps at times, as you've insinuated, having sometimes repetitive debates with even sometimes the same people. But really it's the audience and the viewers. Absolutely. Who... Yeah. So for example... So do I get the message out? Right. So I've got lesson plans in my head, right? If you, if you like, you know. Okay. So for example... Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> lesson, lesson plan. plan. He's a teacher. Yeah, He's right. guy. Yeah, but that's how I think of things. Okay. So this is a... Um, today we're going to talk about, let's say for instance, um, let's talk about, I don't know, the Trinity or something. Yeah. Okay. Liberal morality or something. Oh, yeah, for example, perfect. Liberal morality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to people about, you know, social contract theory, okay. right? So let me choose someone who thinks they know something about liberalism, as I have done in the park. Let's talk to them about that and make it seem as if they're the protagonist or the antagonist, whatever it is. Make a story out of it. You go find them. 
I find them or they find me. It happens one way or another. I've got the lesson plans in my head already. Right? So if they're- Usually the class. Yeah, no, I'm ready class, for no, the class is online, right? Yeah, 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 that's right <laughs> and sometimes that's right. they come into the park as well. Yeah. So, okay, I've got 20 minutes. Because really and truly, how long is a lesson? 45 minutes, yeah. right? Um, that's how long it should be. I mean, usually sometimes in the school that I was working, it was actually two hours. But um, let's say a 45 minute lesson, 20 minute lesson, you can still learn good from that. You know, what do we want to teach? Lesson objectives, you want to teach people about social contract theory, is its um, correlations or how it connects with Islamic mm. thing, the fiqh or whatever. Let's let's go. For, let's choose uh, someone to to make an argument with. He'll 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 be the antagonist. I'll be the protagonist. People like Hatun and people in the park like Hatun yeah. and Daniel yes. and those people. Yeah, and they're doing a great job for us. Yeah. They're helping us because um, Sarah, Kalam, all of yeah, those individuals, yeah. they're actually helping us because what for me is what is everyone loves a story everyone loves a good guy and a bad guy yeah, of course. yeah of they course. just make us into good guys yeah. it's like wwe yeah. thank you very much this yeah. is exactly what yeah, yeah, yeah. i would have paid someone to pretend to do that what you're doing yeah yeah say be rude to me be humiliate try to humiliate me yeah. you know and I'll, I'll respond to it in different ways to entertain the audience, but also to teach them a few things about Islam. Yeah. At the end of the day, who's winning from that? They're yeah, not yeah. winning from that. Yeah. You know, on social media, they're having limited success mm. and they're not teaching anyone. And no one's becoming Christian or pantheist. So that's or, a metric for somewhat some degree of success. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, no, so we, we actually look at this. We look at it very carefully. If there was someone in the speaker's corner who was benefiting from us in the same way as we're benefiting from those individuals, mm. yeah. <laughs> then we wouldn't go speaker's corner. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. So it's all about Masalah and like, you know, the, the, the pros and the cons, if you like, yeah. you know, the community benefits, the injury. So if, because we have been able to gauge that actually from a metric, if you like, system, we have been the beneficiaries of this, you know, and we have, we certainly have. In the UK Dawah, um, UK Dawah, a lot of it was built in Speaker's Corner. Yeah. And there's no doubt about that. Abdurrahim Green, uh, Hamza Sources, yeah. Adnan Rashid, mm. uh, um, what do you call it, Abdullah Andalusi, yes. many names. Yeah. The household names all came from, uh, from Speaker's, Speaker's Corner. Corner. Yes. Yeah. Who's been the beneficiary? For the last 20 years, we have been the beneficiaries of Speaker's Corner. Yes. Mm. Organizations have been built on the back of Speaker's Corner, mm -hmm. right? Okay, without going into, uh, this is something I've actually wanted to ask you now, because things are now starting to change mm. uh, in Speaker's Corner because this was something which, let's be honest about it, it was traditionally dominated by Salafi-esque kind of uh, background speakers and du'at and da'is, yeah? Mm. But things are changing now. I'm noticing uh, individuals from Shia backgrounds, individuals who are coming from a Sufi slash Barelvi backgrounds are now attending Speaker's Corner where they have never ever been present. Do you think, do you think that's also as a reaction to the presence of what's been the case for the last 15, 20 years? I, d I don't know of many Brelvi sco uh, people, scholars or anyone going there. I don't know that many. Um, maybe one or two. I've seen a few now. Is it? In about really? Yeah. Um, she has, there's, there's, there's the known faces that go there. They're not doing a good job representing themselves. Um, uh, but but the, mate, his name is it Pokemon Blade Runner. What's his name? Bla uh, Blade Runner, yeah. Blade Runner, wow. Anyway. His name is Zaid, I think. I'm Zaid, right. okay. So, yeah. so, so we're addressing by Zaid. These, they're relatively new, no? Yeah, they're new faces, isn't it? They're new faces, uh, and I've never known to have any prominent Shia faces and characters in Speaker's Corner. It's always dominated by a particular demographic of Muslims. Yeah. Is that changing now? And uh, how do you feel about that? Um, I think that that's uh, you know it's good to have representation and stuff like that. Um, at the end of the day, there's always going to be priorities in Dawah, mm. right? And that's what there's something called Fiqh al mm. You know, the the jurisprudence of priorities, if you yes. like. And so, so long as every Muslim that goes to Speaker's Corner knows how to, to navigate that and realize that it's not maybe the time to talk about certain differences, maybe we can from time to time, um, but that there are priorities in what we need to kind of um, to do in Speaker's Corner, mm -hmm. what kind of lesson plans we should present, if you <laughs> like, you know. So if, if people don't know about that and they don't have hikmah mm -hmm. to that degree where they're, okay, this is for the social and community benefit, then maybe they shouldn't come. Whatever yeah. sect, or whatever they, I wouldn't even say sect, whatever grouping they come from, whatever. Do you, have you often encountered that issue where people are not aligned um, with the, the greater shared benefit? Yes, we've had that with the groups, uh, for example, the groups that uh, follow, you know, Sheikh Rabia and Madkhali and, mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. like that. They, well, that's kind of expected, unfortunately. Yeah, so uh, so those individuals, we used to have a cordial relationship with them and we still do. I would, we try and keep good relationships 
with people like Shamsi, for example, in the yeah, park yeah. And, and others like that, who, who do a great job when it comes to conversion of people into Islam. And he's actually one of the most knowledgeable people in the park mm. um, when it comes to Islamic knowledge. So, however, you know, the, the issue of sectarianism and the issue of... Um, and it's, it's, for me, it's problematic because according to what's happened now, I'll be honest with you, I'll be open about this, is that there's been labeling and... Uh, and tabdiya being made. Uh, so basically calling each other Mubtadi, Bid'ah al-Bid'ah, all the usual yeah. labels. Uh, yeah. The labels yeah. are coming out. Yeah. Well, offensive time, but we get those things being said. Mm. But at the same time, the same individuals will say you're not allowed to debate al-Bid'ah, but they do that every week. Mm. You know, So it's a bit of a contradiction in my opinion. Uh, Have you raised this issue with the relevant individuals? Well, they, they are the ones who t raised it with me. I, I, one time I, I was talking to a Shiite, and uh, one of those individuals came and said, well, you know, you're not allowed to debate al-bid'ah. I swear I've seen that person engage in debate. Yeah, and those individuals debate Shia every single, yeah. not every single week, but, and then they debate people that they call Khawarij debate. So for me, it's, they, these are the issues, right? Mm. And the question is, why are you doing this? That sounds you know? like an unnecessary stumbling block, an obstacle, by the, by the sounds of it. That's yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. This is a very good point. I'm, I'm happy you've raised it, actually, because we have a lot, look, we haven't, we haven't made our differences with certain groups, uh, um, ambiguous, right? We've made clear that, you know, for example, we have different, for, from our, my perspective, that I'm not Shiai, for example, and that the Ithna Ashara creed, the 12th creed is not something which we agree with, right? Of course. And so on. Uh, for I'm giving one example of many, right? I don't want to go into too many details, but yeah. the point I'm making is at the same time, you know, those individuals, to be completely honest with you, bro, they haven't they might disagree with, like Shias might disagree with us, yeah? They disagree with us and we would disagree with them, yeah, yeah. in terms of creed. And there's no doubt about that. Not, and we shouldn't make, pretend to be like, believing the same thing. Yeah, of course. However, when it comes to Dawah, Wallahi, I think they have a, a higher degree of... Uh, decorum. Uh, wallahi, decorum and uh, uh, and uh, understanding and wisdom than those individuals that follow Sheikh Rabia. Yeah, you know what? You know, inshallah... Because, because those individuals that follow Sheikh Rabia, they will actually... They will, they will question you as an individual and they will question and it's not all the individuals that but those in the park that yeah, I've encountered yeah, yeah. They, will, they will be a roadblock and a stumbling block for the dawah itself mm -hmm. you know so you're attacking the dawah now right so in my opinion I, I think that is a real problem you know where we need to be able to navigate our uh, differences and uh, and that's uh, that's one of the issues actually I mean I have my own views with regards to those of that particular mindset and even their historical roots right and unfortunately for those who have even had a cursory reading mm. of some of the asal roots of this movement and the, re the, the really core of it you'll find that unfortunately this is something which is actually sometimes they're even proud of they're, they're proud of the, 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 the outright labeling uh, and the divisiveness uh, look every jama'ah and every group has an element of safe sect uh, mentality. Right. Yeah. Generally speaking, yeah. most Jamal, most movements do. The, but with these particular yeah. brothers and even yes, even sisters of that particular mindset, it's yes. very amplified, ah. and it's something that they're actually. It's a culture. Of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think in history uh, they were referred to as the narcissism of small difference. Yes. Uh, and this is interesting in the in the philosophy of um, sorry in the history of religion, right? But for me, I think the issue has been that I've actually tried to speak to these individuals, meet those individuals. You know, for, for example, Abu Khadija is well known, you know, among those people. And I said, let me come and see you in Birmingham. Let's talk about it. Because he produced a PDF. For example, in that PDF, he had written some things about me. Mm. And in that PDF, for example, he wrote that, you know, his misguided caller to innovation. That's how he referred oh, to me. Right? So this is Tabdiya, right? Are they still doing this? Still yeah. doing that <laughs> Little PDF yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. So I thought, okay, well, hold on. This individual, I really wanted to investigate who he was. Because yeah. before I, I knew of him, but I didn't know much about him. So I actually found something online about this individual, which uh, he literally was talking by himself. And he said, you know, someone was asking him, what qualifications have you got or something like that? Because Tabdiya is something for the scholars. I mean, of course, yeah. Right? Something um, for the layman. Yeah. yeah, and he's doing it of me. So mm -hmm. I thought, so I wonder what his qualifications were, what, what level he must be, you know, very. 
So he, from what I heard from his own voice, he said, I studied Usul al-Thalatha, which mm. is a two-page document. Al-Qawaid yeah. al-Arba'a, uh, which again is a two-page document. Al-Aqidah mm. al-Raziyin, uh, which is literally a two-page document. Usul mm. uh, al-Ahmad, which is maybe, okay, five-page, ten-page, twenty-page, whatever it is. None of which certainly qualifies you. And then he said he studied Bulugh al-Maram, which is the only significant text. Yeah. So, wait a minute, you haven't even... This is your this is your level of qualification, and now you can pronounce tabdiyah. Mm. Some people attack him and say he doesn't know how to read the Quran. Even I'm not going down these routes. I'm not saying that. I don't know how he can read the Quran if he knows the Arabic language. But the the point is, according to himself, you know, this is his level, which is a very this is actually a basic level, right? It's not even a basic level. This is okay. This is, you can do this in one day, and this is no exaggeration. You can read those books in one day. Maybe it will take maybe one week, one month for you to learn those things more in depth. Bulugh al-Muram will take a lot more time than mm. that, to be fair. But apart from that, I mean, are you now the guy that's going to tell me that I'm a misguided person of innovation? So what, what's inspiring that? And if, my question, to, I'm going to be straightforward with, you, with, with the viewers. What's inspiring such a person to make such a uh, comment? Let me, be, let, me, let me be very brutally honest, yeah, yeah. Uh, Akhi Muhammad, yeah? Unfortunately, you'll find the roots of this mindset going back to the very first armed rebellion against Dawlat al-Uthmaniyya, right? That very mindset which made the blood and the honor of the Muslims halal to take. You'll find the roots of that, the, 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 the violent manifestation of that mindset then. The same individual that you've mentioned, that same mindset is killing innocent people in Libya is justifying the killing of innocent people in Yemen uh, and quite frankly I will even go as far as to say that they are the other side of the coin of ISIS yeah? and I know I am not tarnishing uh, the entire Salafi movement of which there of are not, yeah. some very celebrated and fantastic ulama and du'at and groups the people that we adore the people that we adore and respect yeah. and, we, and we pray for their preservation mm -hmm. right and we know that even the whole Salafi umbrella is a very broad movement now. Yeah, laws of diversity and, and, and spectrums of that. Mm -hmm. But that particular mindset, that particular yeah, mindset yeah. Is, 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 is like the first cousin of ISIS, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they've got historical roots in how they justified the killing of Muslim women, uh, enslaving them and taking their property and killing their menfolk, uh, all dating all the way back to the 18th century. I want to make a comment on that. Like, you know, I think there's two main figures that when we talk about the Athari creed or the Salafi creed or the, even the Hanbali, right? Madhab. Uh, that come to mind uh, immediately, which one of them is Ibn Taymiyyah, died 728 AH, you know. And I'm not sure, I was talking about the Najd movement. Yeah, yeah. Of, of but I was going to say also now the second one is Ibn, Ibn Abdul yeah. Wahab, Muhammad yeah. Ibn Abdul Wahab, died 1792, yeah. um, Miladi time, which yeah. is Gregorian calendar. Yeah. So, um, the, in terms of their their approaches from my study this is what i've come to understand with ibn taymiyyah ibn taymiyyah didn't have these uh, these views I, just, I want to be clear about that and, there, and i'll give you some evidences for that ibn taymiyyah had um had an, uh, someone called bakri at his time mm. okay and bakri used to believe in istighatha you know calling yes. to say yeah yes, muhammad yes, yes. and stuff like that which ibn taymiyyah and other places may have considered as as an asl, aslan, it's, it might have considered it shirki or something like that, mm. right? But he wrote a book called Ar-Raddu Ala Bakri. And in this book, he never made takfir of Bakri. Mm. And in fact, not only did he never make takfir of Bakri, but he never, he, when Bakri was in trouble, he, he hid him in his house. Mm. Even though Bakri made takfir of Ibn Taymiyyah, by the way. Yes. So Ibn Taymiyyah was, uh, though he is sometimes invoked in these discussions, it's important to clarify to the viewers because a lot of them will be thinking, yes, Ibn Taymiyyah, it's no, not Ibn Taymiyyah. No, no, right? no, no. I should have made that clear. His yeah. opinions and, and many of his stances are distinctly and starkly different to 100%. that of the Nazis movement of the 18th Ibn century. Ibn Abdul Wahab now is a little bit different because yeah. he, from, from what my studies, the question is, did he make, did he have Adr al Jahl or not? Mm. This is the question about him in particular, yeah. Ibn Abdul Wahab. Did yeah. he believe in Adr al or not? And there's two opinions on that. Mm. Some scholars will say because he said in one um, in one part of his Durasaniya, because mm. you know these little books that we're talking about, Usul al Thirth Qawal al Arba'ah, and Kashf al Shubuhat and Naqd al Islam, which is what these, uh, which which is what people read, and then they think the Khalas they've expired, yeah. they have exhausted knowledge. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> Seriously, so people read yeah. these books and think they have exhausted knowledge. Yeah. But at any rate, when you read Durr-Saniyya, which is like the, the main fatawa of not only Ibn Abdul Wahhab, but those who came after him, yes. 
there's, there's, there are some things with him where he says, you know, in in min You know, if we are not going to dis make takfir or excommunication of those who do abd of a sanam, literally worship uh, a, a statue. Yes. Then how about those individuals? So there are some things which we can take from his words, which maybe he does other bajal, but other parts where he he seems like he's not saying that. Yes. So I'm not going to say I know the answer to that mm. and say okay, he's this or he's that. But there are these two opinions of him. Um, those who came after him had different mindset completely. Why not just deal with what actually took place historically? Yes. Yeah. So that, that's those who came usually after him, yeah, his, yeah. Ahfer, his grandchildren. Yeah. So, so, so what actually did take place was that there was an armed rebellion against yes. the, the Uthmani Khilafah. And a lot of the... Treason. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was treason. And, and, and a lot of the theological uh, justification, the legal justification, was that the, 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 the Uthmani Khilafah were, were not just deviants, they, they, they had apostated, right? Yes. Uh, no, that's, that's clearly that's yeah. if you look at Dursaniya, yeah. I mean there's no and anyone who tries to deny this, yeah. I can we can find them there. No, the, the, yeah, yeah, there's references in abundance. In yeah. abundance. Yeah, yeah, in abundance. Yeah. Well just as long as we're making clear that this is not we're not talking necessarily uh, about Taymiyyah because mm. that's that's someone that no. people invoke. And even Ibn Abdul Wahab is a question mark around yeah. that. So we're talking about because the Dura is probably one of the best texts, yeah. primary texts. I'm talking about I'm talking, yeah. talking about the roots of this mindset. Yeah, yeah. The roots of this mindset goes back to them periods. Yes, right? yes, for sure. So, so, is, therefore, yes. so therefore given that understanding and given the evolution of this movement and this thinking and the fact yeah. that it still exists in the form of uh, be it S pubs, be it Abu Khadija, yeah, be it yeah. be it the Madakhila. Well, they, they, they do it in Tabdiya form. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But the point is, it the way it manifests in the Muslim world That's can right. literally mean death. It could do, yeah. No, no, it has done. Well, in Libya, well, you're saying Libya, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Libya, yeah. So, 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 I'm saying here, okay, it's PDF refutations. Yeah. Right. There is, but in areas where there's rife, and there's, there's fertile ground for it, violence. It's, it's, violence. It's, but it's, it's the same justification. But I just don't get it because, you know, in Libya, mm. as you know, mm. if it's Khuruj al Hakim, yeah. who's the Hakim? Well, there's two Hakims at the moment. There's a dispute of uh, So, yeah, this so is my, my so question. And by the way, I accept the, the premise that we shouldn't do Khuruj al Hakim Muslim. I agree with that. This is the Hanbali view. This yeah. is what I follow. Yeah. We shouldn't do Khuruj al-Hakim al-Muslim. Yeah. And, and also we agree with the, the premise that we don't want to start civil wars in different countries. Of course. And we don't, we don't want another Syria. Yeah. We don't want another Syria. But I'm not saying, you know, but having said that, we, we can't say that, you know, what happened to the Syrian people was in vain. These were shuhada. Of course. And of course, there were, there were deviant groups. Yeah. Uh, um, there were um, criminal groups like ISIS that came so, out, right? with that. and that's horrible. And we don't, and those groups, not just ISIS, but those who are related to their kind of thought process, yeah. the criminals. But at the same time, this started off as a person who was not a Muslim. Bashar al-Assad was not a Muslim, mm. right? He's <laughs> he's an Alawi, mm. and uh, from our perspective, that's not Islam. Mm. And he was killing his people. You know, these people came out. And so Al-Khuruj Alayhi is, is coming out against him is not the same as coming out against someone who at least have Madhahir al-Islam. So, and, 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 and let's keep in mind as well that, that the Ummah in Syria did not raise arms first. It became yes. an issue of defending themselves for survival. To protect right. the women for their land and their property. Absolutely. The, when, the, when, when the regime turned the guns onto the uh, unarmed protesters, yes. that's when they had to resort uh, and you had defections from from that on the topic of wars and oppression and, and the state of the Muslim world yes. in your debate uh, against David Wood yeah mashallah uh, you know you dropped a, quite a heavy bar and that was about uh, the, the the violence of European colonialism mm. it was a bit of a mic drop moment. it was an epic moment it was an epic moment they yeah, did the rounds on social media it, 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 it was a slam dunk no. yeah you know and the Muslim rock. community yeah. enjoyed it well, like, <laughs> enjoyed it from I enjoyed it myself huh? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should it was it was, it was a hadouken of the highest kind yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm being biased because of my background as a journalist or, or, or my specific interests. Yeah. And, and I, I hope I could speak on behalf of Aki as well in terms of kind of the, the Dawah and activism we've been raised with. Yeah. Don't you think debating those issues yeah. uh, is actually more practically important because where you may find yourself debating European and Enlightenment philosophies in isolation, just as a theoretical argument, yeah. there what you did against Wood there you gave a practical manifestation of what those philosophies have and did because a lot of the enlightenment philosophies legitimized european colonialism absolutely i think it, right. it, it, it was the moral and, and ideological it was the intellectual foundation it was the intellectual foundation of like, industrial scale yeah. murder 
right. Don't you feel that debating these kind of things is more fruitful where the alarm, both Muslims and non-Muslims can actually understand, hey man, these guys who we celebrate mm. from a very from a period which is celebrated in European history was actually the, the ideological premise of what we went and did to the rest of the world. Do you... Do you understand what I'm saying? I absolutely If I could add yeah. angle to that, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the idea, the, the, the class plans that you have yeah. and the yeah. purpose of the activity is to empower yeah. Muslims yes. to show them that, look, these are ideas that we have. They're yes. accessible for you. Mm-hmm. And now you're empowered. I facilitated something. Mm. Go. Mm. Yeah. Go and empower yourself and go spread the, the goodness of Islam. Yeah. So when we're talking in the example that you gave, that these are the ideas that empowered the who went on to become Western colonials. Yes. Mm. And, and do what they do. And even create a, a neo version of it being the situation in the Muslim world today. So we're talking about empowering. Yes. These are ideas that empowered years of evil. Whether, whether it's the science of eugenics, whether it's the white man's burden, whatever you want, it, utilitarianism, whatever, they, they, you'll find that these things were used to literally the kill, corner, cornerstone. To kill, colonize, and loot. So what we're saying to you, Akhi Muhammad, is do you think that there is relevance and importance in discussing that because you had a mic drop moment there when yeah. i saw that i was like i feel that needs to be elaborated it was that a highlight debate. it was a highlight and, and 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 it hit home didn't it it hit home mm-hmm. with, with the opposition that oh yeah whereas good point mm-hmm. whereas you're right whereas you and under lucy taking at some atheists in oxford, Uni- oxford university whilst that's needed mm. sometimes people watching will feel okay well how does that affect me as a muslim in the 21st century and how did it affect us historically they miss that. Do you get what I'm saying? I get it. I, I think there's a need for both. I, I genuinely do. I think the thing is when, 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 I went, when I've been traveling now and been looking at Muslim communities in different parts of the Western world, I've realized that, to be honest, one of the things that we need to reinstill faith in um, is confidence in the tradition. Yes. And obviously the usul of the deen, like the existence of God, we can't take stuff like that for, uh, for granted. Some people leave Islam and become atheist. Um, and so from that perspective, I thought, okay, we have to do this. We, you know, we, we can, I, we, I genuinely believe we can challenge any atheist on the face of the earth, right? And with, with, with enough preparation and with enough, um, you know, studies, we will be able to, to, to take them on and we'll be able to show them their fallacies and their problems with their belief or their lack of uh, belief. Is that, an, is that an open invitation to every atheist on earth? No, not really, because not, I won't accept everyone. Anyone. They've got to have some kind of... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, they, if, they, if they want that one, you've got to speak yeah. his corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to answer the first question. I accept I accept those guys, but you have to go speak his corner. Okay. Um, for the laity, that's no problem. And even for people that are non-lay, you know, I've written a book on this. We're going to consult that in yeah, we're gonna, So we're I, I want to, I want to be able to test my ideas with someone of a higher academic ability, right? I, to be honest, um, and it's, I think with atheist debate, people can get lost because there's a lot of philosophy employed. There's a lot of discussion about so many different things. Rewind. You just said, uh, you just said someone of a high caliber. Yeah. But then someone like um, higher caliber, higher caliber. Yeah. yeah. But, but 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 someone like Dawkins and Sam Harris, I wouldn't actually regard them. They're popular. But are they really yeah, well famous? But well, Richard Dawkins is not a philosopher. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was looking at his book. And he's been gunned off by many of his peers. He's finished. Yeah. I think his, his his book is not a philosopher. But if you want to debate, would you debate him? Oh yeah, there's not that about that. Oh, come on. Yeah. So, so, so that's that's no longer about caliber. That's more to do with reach and profile, right? One hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean by it as well, right? So, yeah, why it's, do you know, the guy like, trying no, well, high caliber? Yeah, yeah, so, but, so, so, so the guy, the guy could be one He's like, multifaceted, yeah. Right? So yeah. it could be someone, who, <laughs> someone, someone who's washed up in their ideas, but certainly has anyone who has an influence. Okay. Well, look, yeah. we we have this. We want to show that these this new atheism is coming up with arrogance and with with confidence and that's why a lot of people ask why because I do come across as quite arrogant in my debates with some people by the way and I do it intentionally by the way you know I and it's not with every person like with Edward Tabash I wasn't like that because he yeah, has no, right. there's no reason for me to oh, be yeah. would you were? with would like that and this new debate I was like yeah the new well. one you as well and I did that completely this was planned I consulted people about it and I knew this was going to be a, this everything there's a method behind the madness some people say so, why are you acting like so that so the nonchalance the belittlement is strategic it's not aggression 100% this is my thing is if someone mocks Islam on their public profile I'm, I'm going to humiliate them 
That's that's what, it's actually an issue of uh, faith for me, a theology. This exists within our tradition. Yes. It's not something that's alien, by the way. Just yeah. in case people thought yeah. yes. that there is an absolute long tradition yes. of belittling so pride uh, for the religion. disbelievers and the Zindiqeen yeah. within our tradition. Yeah, and those who attack us in that way. It's yes. not Jahrab al Kufr or something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you come out with Kufr and whatever. I'm not talking about those individuals. Yeah. I'm talking about those individuals who. Two things. Number one, their rhetoric against Islam is, mm. in my opinion, quite, uh, you know, uh, derogatory, right? And number two, or if they've said something about Prophet Muhammad specific, specifically, about his arm or something like that, like, about dignity, mm. you're, you're, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to try and take you out. I'm basically going to try and go in there like Deontay Wilder. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to be a, a Freud Mayweather. I'm going for it. One, yeah, I'm going to go for it. One, it's as simple as that. One, come out with a split decision against uh, Fury. Come yeah. on, we need more than that. No, Deontay Wilder. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's a draw one. Pull out Tyson. No, no, no. Like, like, no, he's not looking for a draw. You know what I mean? He means he, he's no, going to bronze bomb man. Deontay yeah. Wilder, everyone knows he throws them helicopter punches. Yeah, right? yeah, he's just, yeah. So that's what I try and do with those guys. I just try and throw the helicopter punches, yeah. right? So, <laughs> the intellectual helicopter punches. Some say, okay, well, you know, that's quite. You know, so I was seeing like recent debate with Oxford, Oxford um, with the um, cosmic skeptic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and the guy was, and some people were like, you know, that was just bullying, and yeah, okay, no problem. What's that? No. Oh, you guys were doing that to us. Were you, you guys, the guy made a video about Muslim women, um, yeah. Somali uh, yeah, yeah, Muslim yeah. women in bags, yeah. Uh, yeah, humiliating Muslim women, and so on. So you want me to be? What do you want me to be with yeah. him? How are you, you trying to make a dig and say, yeah, this ain't speakers' corner, mate? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, how, how, I, how do you expect me to react to this guy? Yeah. No, For no. me, I, I see it as an article of faith no. to actually give it to him in helicopter punch style, you know, as intellectual as possible. But also, also as I'm not going to be, uh, and um, and the hadith is also, you know, I, I, you, one could potentially, I'm not doing my own qiyas, but I did a bit of fatwa for this as well. I did a fatwa for this. I asked someone, I asked them, um, is it possible to show arrogance in a debate with someone who's an enemy? Yeah. An enemy to, not only Islam, but Muslims. Yeah, an open enemy. Their knowledge production mm. is feeding into people being killed in Christchurch. Yeah. Sorry to say, that's what's happening, yeah, right? Yeah. Their knowledge production, you're, you're, you are the intellectual base mm. for someone like this guy who killed the people yes, in Christchurch yes. actually being inspired. You want yeah. me to be nice with yeah. that? No way. <laughs> if you're someone like Edward Tabash, mm. who has no record of that, he's an atheist and he will debate against religion and you have no problem, you're not trying to create a knowledge production which is hostile towards Muslims, yeah. I'm going to be very respectful to you. In fact, I'll be more respectful to you than you're going to be respectful. I'm going to make sure to be more respectful to you than you are to me. But if you're part of knowledge production, that is going to mean for the eventual um, dehumanization and degradation yeah. and possible even extinction or almost extinction. Yeah, you're right. contributing towards the, uh, you know, an oppressive machine. Yeah, these right. violent well, things gonna, are gonna come I'm not gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna be as, uh, okay. I'm gonna be arrogant. Okay. Uh, if, if it looks like arrogance, and do you know why it is arrogance? I'll, I'll, I'll say um, it goes to that, you know, in the time of the Prophet, there was wars and so on, yeah? And one of the Sahaba were walking in an arrogant way, like literally with their chest out and moving. The, and the Prophet said that this is the most behated, like this is, um, this is a hated action, except, except, except for the yes, winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, that's, that's my, that's my okay, case. Hey, we get that, we get that. Now, now, just, just in case anyone... No, 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 that's fine. Just let you know, just let you know, we're absolutely jiggy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we get that because we know there's a time and place to, to pump up the chest and, and sometimes reciprocate. But I, don't want, a, I really don't want to do that though. Yeah. Well, like, like for example, this guy, uh, Cosmic Skeptic, yeah, I'd rather just be his friend. I'd rather just uh, live on, but he started it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? Well, the Quran says, mm. Are you afraid of them? Yeah. You know, and they started on you. So I didn't, I didn't like, okay, I'll make videos about atheists, uh, atheism. I'll say why I don't believe atheism is correct. But I'm not going to make a video about atheists yeah. and humiliate them as an individual, as a so-called community of people. I'm not going to do that because I think that's that's a coarsening the public discourse. Bro, you, you don't engage in the dehumanization of atheists. Of course, no, 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 it's the idea. You tackle the idea. You address the idea. Which then go is then to use to yeah. go and actually go and oppress Muslim. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. we're a minority group here. Exactly. Yeah. And moving on from that kind of, you kind of have different personas, man. Yes. Uh, you're, you're, you're a speaker's corner, corner interlocutor, you're, uh, you know, you call out uh, Dina and her man. So you get popular social yeah, media influences, couples. Then you're putting up these mad suits, which I'm sure they're, 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 you have to get them specially made for your size or something. <laughs> you, you, you've got different 
You were dressed for Walima in the last debate. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, mashallah, yeah. it's some beautiful time. The point is that. Well, it wasn't long enough. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Speakers. Some guy sent me a picture of Fred Flintstone. Yeah. You know how he's got a side. Yeah, yeah, hanging like, like a bib. Yeah, yeah, if you get, get a picture of that, sure. <laughs> thumbnail. But look, Speakers Corner, YouTube, call out culture, yeah. as well as now more yeah. professional environments, right? Mm. How do you navigate through these different environments? And will you eventually settle with one? I don't want to. I really don't. I don't want to settle with one. I don't, I've seen how professors look in universities and they look Thank aloof. You. They're aloof. They're not, they're, they've got a lot of knowledge, but they don't have any practical. Uh, a lot of them, yeah, they do have a lot of influence through their books and scholarship. Mm. But in terms of interaction with the average man, a lot of them do not have that ability and it's because they have um, remained aloof. And so I think that, you know, I don't want to be like that. I always want to be with the people. I was always want to be in the streets, literally, you know, with the fear of being attacked or whatever in there, no problem. I haven't got an issue with that. You know, so long as I can speak to people and I can, you know, engage with individuals on a, on a face-to-face basis, I think that's what the prophets did and I would want to continue doing that. Are you pursuing any further academia at the moment in, in, in these fields? What are you doing at the moment? Yeah, so I, I've done, my, my background is political philosophy. Um, so I've done one... On a BA level? On a BA level. So and then I did my master's degree in history and then... The yeah, number I mean, if I may ask you to come in, I'm curious, what, what period of history? So no, this was like more 20th century, or you could say this was uh, modern history, okay. right? Modern history. Okay. And then um, with, uh, then I've done uh, a master's degree in Islamic studies. And from that, I wanna, cause I started a PhD before, and I'm gonna start again with a different question. Cause I, I had a question, but I'm, I've changed the question basically. What is the question? The question I had before was to do with the Israel-Arab conflict. Right, and I started, I actually started a PhD with that. But then I thought to myself, do I wanna do that? And then I changed the question. So the question now is about, uh, and this is something I, I really feel strongly about. The question I have now is to do with, um, um, a compar- it's a comparison of lim- liberal contractarianism and traditionalist Islam. We're using the case study of number one, uh, Hudud, mm. number two, Jihad and number three, um, it's women's rights. Because I think that these three things Those are most are, important. Are major areas. Yeah. Major areas. Like, if not the main three areas yeah. of contention and beef that, that Muslims yeah. face on a daily level, Spot on, yeah. on an intellectual level and on an everyday level. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. In, terms of, in terms of that, <clears throat> what I want to do it, because in, in post-colonial studies, you kind of, I think you know about, because yes. you were talking about before, yeah. uh, post-colonial studies has not been focused on, because from my perspective, post-colonial studies should be done by the the voiceless, if you like, or yeah. those who are the, representing. Yeah, the, proge- the, 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 the progeny of the subjects, the colonial subjects. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm going to try and do it using a post-colonial lens to the point of um, prescription. So in other words, my diagnostic will be using post-colonial theory, Orientalism, Edward Said's kind of thing, and then after that, from the point of di- um, from the point of prescription, then I'll, I'm not even going to make a prescription. It's just an analysis. So I'm, I'm not saying that, okay, this is how it ought to be in any way. I'm just making a comparison. You guys are saying this, but actually this, this, <laughs> this. I'm not saying anything is better. I'm just saying this is what you're saying, but this is what you're, this is what you're professing in other, this is, um, this is how you're attacking Islam, but actually these conceivabilities, if you like, these potentialities are in, are in these ideologies as well. So from an abstract perspective. Now, that's from an abstract level. On an empirical level, then I have to go and do case studies and see on a material level how things have been implemented and so on. And that's, that's the kind of chapterization I w- I'm going to be doing with the PhD. project now. Sounds deep. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. no, I, I didn't want to do something which would not have a solid material effect on the ground mm-hmm. in terms of, um, Absolutely. In terms of what I'm doing and stuff like that. Uh, just just wrapping up on the podcast. Tell us about um, the book which you posted about on Facebook, um, Kalam Cosmological Arguments. Why go on with this book? Tell us about so, it. So part of what I was doing my my master's degree in um, in Islamic studies mm. and so on. So this is the second one. So, so yeah. th- when I did that, I did one module which is absolutely brilliant module. Um, it was called Arab Medieval Thought. And um, when I was doing that module, basically, I, was, I had my, my teacher there was going through basically many different things, including the arguments of God's existence, theodicy, and so on. And I was, I already had the background knowledge of this, but then I was kind of, um, you know, reintroduced to the classical books of the Ash'ara and the Maturidiyah and the Atharis and, uh, and the Falasifa and stuff like that. And so what, basically what Kalam Cosmological Argument is, right? If someone reads a book like um, Divine Reality of Hamza Sources, this is a required pre-reading mm. because it shows you what the arguments are for God's existence. Yeah, 
Kalam cosmological argument. It's a it's a required pre-reading of your book. Yeah, I, I would. If you don't know anything about anything, and you're going to go into my book, you're going to be lost mm-hmm. because you're going to think, "What's what's he talking about?" If you have no background of philosophy at all, it's. I can't say that I would recommend it to you in the it, first instance. How about, how about for someone who has a kind of cursory understanding it's, of proof of ha, creator? Has dabbled, has dabbled in some literature. Would they be able to navigate around your book? I would, I would still say, I would still say they should Get that read, basic reading. The Divine Reality should be a pre-reading. Right? There you go, I wouldn't ever promote... Nicely, nicely plugged in. I would never promote my book without promoting this book first. Only because, I'm not, honestly, it's not only because it's, you know, it's, it should be. This is the base, right? These are the arguments. He, Hamza also has outlined them in the most systematic way possible and, and the most accessible, way more accessible than what I've written, mm. just to be clear. And it's much bigger. His book is 10 times the size of yes, mine. Yes, it is. Right? So my book is simply a collection of essays. Yeah. And this, this, this essay, his essay, sorry, um, actually critique. So it's, it's, it's almost like a self-criticism, looking at all the points of contention that philosophers at that point had that philosophers in di- in this t- like not this time but in the enlightenment period had, and also the holistic philosophers had so in other words one thing that i found we need to do to work on which would be a good supplement mm. to the cause to hansel's work is what about counter arguments okay right so what about the argument for infinite regress mm. or the argument for contingency or the argument for these are controversies i'm not saying that hansel did not deal with them in his book he definitely did uh, but what I'm saying is that what that book attempts to do is go deeper into... They require elaboration. Yeah, the deeper into what mm. actual philosophers said about these things mm. and kind of playing them off against each other. And then coming at the end of it, and this is important, with my final chapter is The Strongest Forms, um, which is literally what I think the strongest form of the argument is. And the reason why I think these are the strongest forms, people would have known because of the way I've kind of reasoned it before. Mm. So, and, and when people talk about Kalan cosmological argument, the, the last person who's written this a book with that title is uh, William Lane Craig in 1979. Okay. But he wrote The Kalam Cosmological Argument. This is called Kalam Cosmological Argument. Who is this guy? So this guy is, a, um, is, is an apologist. He's, mm. a, he's a scholar of Christianity and also a, um, a com- comparative religionist, you could say. He's also a philosopher of religion. Mm. Um, and he, uh, he's engaged in many public debates. He's debated the big names of atheism, Richard Dawkins, uh, Sam Harris, and, mm. uh, and those individuals. And he's fascinated with the Kalam cosmological argument, but he's fascinated in particular with the Ghazali's form, um, which is in Al-Iqtaf uh, al one of his books, and also in Tehaf the Philosopher. But he, so what I'm doing with that, the reason why I've called it Kalam cosmological arguments is to number one show that there's more than one argument. It's not just that one, because right now in the discourse, because of the influence of William Lane Craig, people look at Kalam cosmological argument as one, one only argument. That can be made in one way with three stages. Everything begins to exist as a cause. The universe began to exist. Yep. Therefore, the universe has a cause. It's not like that. There's many arguments. In fact, Ghazali himself made like three or four arguments in his book. And that was just one form. Mm. So some people think if you knock down this argument, you knock down theism. They actually think yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. They think that, <laughs> which, is, which is ironic and ridiculous. Um, so what I do is I look, look at all the arguments. And at the end of it, I actually give a, a small chapter on Ibn Taymiyyah. Because Ibn Taymiyyah, as we said before, Wallahi, and this is, goes back to what we were saying. Was, was he not anti-Kalam? This is, this is beautiful that you asked that question. Um, Ibn Taymiyyah was not anti-Kalam. Okay. He, why, he, why is there perception or misconception as you would probably argue? Because he, he criticized parts of it in He, he criticized um, the, the premise that everything, um, that the, sorry, that uh, he basically posited something called Hawadith la awla laha. Okay. is a tasalsul, which literally means regression. Mm. He believed that it's conceivable to have something regressive, uh, you know, creation before creation before creation before. Creation, so long as it's coextensive with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and His will. Mm. And there is there is there's some merit in that argument from a logical perspective. From a theological perspective, you could say it's you know there's many ahadith. Can Allah There was Allah and nothing with Him and. And his arsh was on the water. So was was there absolutely nothing there? Or was the water there? Or yeah, there's discussion among the scholars on these issues. I'm not going into that. I'm going into the logical issue. So Ibn Taymiyyah himself, you'll find this in his books like and Sharh of Isfahaniyya, which is actually a an Ash'ari book who does Sharh of it. Hmm. And in that book, he actually mentions the points where he agrees with it and the points where he disagrees. He has a book called Hudus Al Alam which is the beginning of, uh, beginning of the world. 
And Ibn Taymiyyah is nothing like Ibn Abdul Wahhab, just to be very clear. Ibn Taymiyyah is, and I want to make this very short, Ibn Abdul Wahhab is, I'm sorry to be, and this is not disrespectful, but it would not be any, uh, a drop in the ocean to Ibn Taymiyyah in terms of his contribution, because Ibn Taymiyyah, he literally went into the, uh, he went into Manatika, he went into the books of the Mantiqiyin, he knew look, these arguments look, very look, well. Right, look, 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 his, his knowledge base of those who disagreed with, yeah, yeah, the yeah. amount of time yes. he spent in understanding the opinions and the positions yeah. and, the, and the evidences and the groundings of his uh, interlocutors and those who disagreed with, is well known, well documented. But here's the, here's the point, I'll, uh, to answer your question directly, mm. in terms of Kalam cosmological argument, he agreed with the Ashaira more than he disagreed with them. That's, that's my that's really yeah, he agreed with them he agreed with them he calls uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wajib al wujud which is the necessary existence yes. mm -hmm. he says that everything yasmudu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm -hmm. and he says he actually has a, a tafsir of surah al-ikhlas very interesting and listen to what he says he says the necessary existence is a samad wow wajib al wujud is samad yeah and he, he does tafsir of it in that way he does that in his sharh of al-isfahaniyya uh, he does it in many different books in fact he praises some parts of the argument. The point is, Ibn Taymiyyah is actually instrumental, and so is Al Ghazali. So, two people are focused, three people are focused on in the book Ibn Sina, Avicenna, yeah. Al Ghazali, and Ibn Taymiyyah. And Al Ghazali, his contribution is well known. Ibn Taymiyyah, his contribution in this issue is not as well known or documented in the English works. Some of the stuff that you just mentioned. I'll tell you quite frankly, I was unaware of it. No, no, specifically, there's a major misconception that the Ibn Taymiyyah was mm. anti-Kalam, period. Yeah, yeah but he um, wasn't. No, it, no, no. It, it depends on what you're talking about when you say Kalam. So there, there were some parts of the argument. Well, when you talk about Kalam as a, as a fen, as something to do, he was anti the process of trying to do that uh, because he believes in the fitrah and all that. That's true. But in terms of the forms and the arguments, he assessed them, he cleaned them up according to the Quran and Sunnah, and he argued that the arguments are from the Quran. He mm. argued, he, he said that this argument is a Quranic argument. Al-Hayl Qayyum, he used the word Qayyumiyyatullah. Qayyumiyyatullah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Qayyum. He says it's the same as him being Wajib al-Wujud. It's, it's very similar. He said the same thing about him being a Samad. So, so, so let, let me just ask you one last question. Yeah. Yeah? So, so, so the book, uh, yeah. Cosmological Arguments, yeah. right? Or Kalam Cosmological Arguments. Would you then say this inclusion uh, and this uh, bringing into light uh, Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah's uh, positions on this uh, and that you know he was still upon the Quranic arguments is actually a reflection of your background and, yes. and, 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 and the tradition that you, you subscribe to? Absolutely. I, but the thing is, I'm not shy to look at Ibn Taymiyyah and say he, 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 he might have been wrong in this point and this wrong. And just like I look at Al-Ghazali and do the same thing. Yeah. Because in Al-Mantiq <clears throat> and Al-Aqliyat, things which your mind, this is, we're talking about things, not only creed, Aqidah, but we're talking about, um, we're talking about um, uh, issues which are, you could say, Aqli Mahd, mm. which are purely intellectual issues. Yeah. Why? Why does he have to? Why does him to me have to be one hundred percent right? Why does he have to be right with Hawath la awla laha to sulsul ahdath? I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not a theologian. In that the point way. Is, the, the fact that you've you've chosen to 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 include him in your book. Yes. Uh, is is it an attempt by yourself to say that hey, you know, people from this particular background? Yes. I want also, to clarify something. I want to have also have something to say about this. Yeah. Particular. You thought you knew, yeah. but you didn't know. And that it's not something that's necessarily dominated by the Ashaira or the Maturidis. It is dominated by it is dominated, but, 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 but yeah. with your inclusion of Ibn Taymiyyah, you're trying to say, no, there's also this as well. Here's my view. Ibn Taymiyyah is the, Ibn Taymiyyah is the most intellectual Hanbalite that ever uh, lived. Um, obviously, in terms of intellectual contribution to Islam, he is number one. Um, you can only say second to Ahmed himself. That was the only thing you could say he's second to. But even then, his contribution is higher than Ahmed's in certain areas where Ahmed's going to do it. Which you lived there, right. the challenges that he had to face. So, as a humble like myself, I'm a humble, I'm humbly, I follow the method of uh, Imam Ahmed myself, right? Or well, I try to at least, I'm not great at it. But as a humble like myself, I was refreshed <laughs> to see this. And, you know, I'm very happy to, to see this. Did, did Sheikh Muhammad talk to me about that? Yeah, yeah, no, we, we touched upon it. Touched I'm very weak in there. Yeah. It's just too late. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way he said it. 
Don't worry, you know, I'll try to stay from, from the Hanafi mother and he has his challenges we'll, as well. We'll, we'll yeah. have a Madhavi issues. Yeah, no, I'll try. But um, <laughs> what, what I mean is that he is he is that figure. He is that figure, really is. So it's not... Do you know what? He should be an inspiration to all Salafis. And uh, in, the, in, the, in the sense that, look what he did. I mean, you can't say, well, that was just exclusive to him. You can't say that. You can't make the argument. He, he did these things. How did he pursue knowledge? Did he pursue knowledge by locking himself in the room and reading a, sul, a sunnah and Barbahari's book? Mm. He didn't do that. Sorry, he didn't do that. This is this closed mind mentality, right? Is going to lead the ummah to destruction because what it will do is it will... I'm not saying everyone should go and study philosophy, by the way, just to be clear, right? But what I'm saying at the same time is people should be at least introduced to basic ideas that we're talking about, liberalism, yes. feminism, yes. and things yes. like that, and so that they can protect themselves, like an antidote towards it. And Ibn Taymiyyah, if he hadn't contributed, we would be in problems. And if we don't contribute today, and if our ulama don't contribute, then we're going to be in problems once again. So I think now we have challenges that Ibn Taymiyyah didn't have in his time. Mm. Uh, liberalism wasn't there at the time of Ibn Taymiyyah. Mm. And neither was feminism. New intellectual challenges are... Have we have to deal with them. Yeah. Right? It wasn't an institute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, and you have to deal with them by using the language. It wasn't a world order. Of course not. Part of a world yeah, order. We're, we're dealing with a, a, a ridiculous scale. So yes. Of ideological influence. So, so where can people find the book? It's on Amazon. I think it's a bestseller now in the uh, in the atheist uh, section. It's actually overtaken uh, overtaken the uh, what do you call it the God delusion. I was like, do you know when that happened? I thought to myself, this is a bit crazy because this is uh, you know I didn't see many other Muslims writing you know in the, yeah. in the section, so I was surprised. So inshallah, Whereas that's our section is, has got many, many atheist writers in, in our section. About, Absolutely, about, man. About, about, about Prophet Muhammad, about yeah, these things. Yeah, I'm thinking, why is it that they get to do this with us and we don't get to talk about things with them? And it's not even, a, do you know, you'll find that probably atheists will use my arguments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you not say, oh, well, you know, Muhammad Jab said that, mm -hmm. you know, something about infinity, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's actually, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the thing with the most critical eye possible. I'm looking at all of the, the the follow, and then at the end of it, I come to the conclusion that this is this is the argument you're never going to be able to deal with. Basically, mm -hmm. this is the argument that you're never going to be able to. As an atheist, but you're going to always have problem with this. Yeah. Um, just on a very very last note, right? You have Bafa Abdullah Andalusi, yes. and you have uh, Hamza Zoltzis. Yes. Uh, two brothers, uh, you know. Respect. Sabur Ahmed as well. Sabur Ahmed, Sabur, of course. Yes. Amr Al Hussein. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. His mind just had to get it. But, but the, 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 kind of, the kind of ustads of, of, of they are their teachers, yeah? Well, at least Hamza is that of Sabur and Imran anyway. Yeah. Um, are you Sabur himself, I would say that he's, he's become a uh, thing in his, uh, in his field. Yeah. He's become the teacher. Sabur Ahmed and Imran Hussein are two very dear brothers of ours. Uh, they're part of Ayyira and they've been engaged actively in the Dao for, for, for many years. Yeah. Uh, and Imran himself is, yeah. is a teacher now yeah. in, in his way. You're in close contact with the brothers? 100%, yeah. yeah. We and share a lot of information. And, and it's important to stay in touch with them, of course. Oh, yeah. It's very, very important. And um, and this is one thing that, you know, you benefit from. Mm. Just speaking with them, even going to dinner with them and speaking, well, like, you pick something up. It could be a game changer. Mm. It really can. It's like this, these guys, well, like, they've done the research and Abdullah can say something and say, whoa, Mm. I'm going to put this on my phone right away. I'm going to, or Hamza can say something and say, okay, all right. Mm. You know, Sabur can say something and say, well, all right, I know how to deal with this now. So it's a game changer. And it can say, well, like one thing, one article of, uh, one piece of information can change the game completely. So, and even Sabur, one time he was having a debate mm. with Aaron Ra, which is a prominent atheist. Mm -hmm. And subhanAllah, you know, he had a dream before he, before he, on a very important topic, he had a dream on the day before the debate or something yeah. like that, he had a dream and he said, someone was saying to him, talk to him about this. So sometimes even your dreams can have, yeah. <laughs> maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the portion Incredible. of dreams? Yeah, was the portion of dreams? Was it 160, is it 164th? 146. 146 of yes. prophethood. Yeah, 146. Yeah. You know, there, there could be some positive inspiration in that regard. Yeah. Akhi, um, Allah has been an absolute pleasure having you here. Exactly. Honestly. Okay, but before you go, you know what's up next. What's happened now? I will offer you two things. Yeah. Uh, the third cannot be offered because we're fasting and it's Ramadan. Uh, so you have a choice. We either arm wrestle me or we have a thumb wall. And you don't seem like a thumb wall man. Uh, I'll do the arm wrestling because I've, I've remained undefeated for that for 10 years. Except for one person. MashaAllah. <laughs> except for? One person who beat me when I was 17. Okay. Because of how confidently you... <laughs> Because of how confidently you said that, I've, been, I've had a draw though recently with some. How did you draw an arm wrestle? Man, huh? just get injured. 
Okay, so okay, so so, so let's just, you set a second challenge to me, didn't you? You said, let's see if I can last how long? Four seconds. I want you to time this. <laughs> I want you to time this. It's happening. Oh, you know what? I'd arm wrestle you, Hijabi, but you know what it is? I arm wrestle Ali, innit? I have to go on the floor, don't I? Is that good? Okay, we can both go on the floor. We can both go on the floor. So you can I hold on to yes, it? Yes, yes, we can. Like yeah. in the. So, 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 so you can hold. You have that, isn't it? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Count it, and you are ready. So four seconds. Hijab's giving four seconds. So that's, like that's a record. That's a record. It's going for. We're ready for this, yeah? One, two, three. Oh, she's gonna give four seconds. Oh. Seven. Actually, you've done really good. <laughs> Bruv. MashaAllah! <laughs> Bruv! What do you expect? Jeez! He's a big brother! You've done really well, man. Honestly, that's that's very good. I I didn't stop it, that's it. You did well! You did well! You lasted seven seconds! Oh, 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 seven point eight! Oh, you should oh, be oh, oh, I'm not used to being told that I done well. MashaAllah, that was uh, that was excellent, man. I was, I was getting worried. <laughs> I think if you put a bit more thing, I think you would have uh, uh, stopped me. That was a wrist workout. Yeah, it's good. Look, look, look. I, was, I didn't know what was going on. I just see. I think you let me win. No, no, no. We were stuck there for like three seconds. Yeah. Anyway, I thought you let me win. There was some resistance. <laughs> I hope that was not that, that level of arrogance that we were talking about. Earlier. No, no, no. no, 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 no. All the plugs and all the channels, all the book links and everything will be on this video, inshallah. Check it out. And brothers and sisters, please support Salam in any shape or form, in any capacity, even if that means sharing their content. May Allah accept it from them. It's your brother, Dili Hussein. Until next time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Flood Brothers Podcast. A five pillars of mad monologue production.